Good morning, saints. Turn with me to uh, Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, and we'll read uh, a couple of verses, about 20 verses in Luke chapter 2 for this morning's lesson. Luke chapter 2, verse 1 says, says this, And it came to pass in the days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own country. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was that while they were there, that the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord uh, uh, shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly, there with the angel, a a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. So it was when the angels had gone away, from, from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem to see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has known, has known to us, has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and a babe lying in a manger. That when they had seen him, they made, they made uh, widely known the saying which was told, told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. And Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. May the Lord bless the reading of his word this morning. Like our brother Dave said this morning, it is a shame that sometimes we only come across or we, 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 we read these passages sometimes only once a year. For the birth of Christ is the quintessential event of all human history. Entire, the, the entire history of humanity hinges upon the birth of Jesus Christ. You know, when... when, when when Zechariah finally, uh, his mouth and his tongue was loosened, and he began to praise and worship God, and he began to prophesy concerning this child, first his son, and then concerning Jesus Christ, the Messiah, he would say, he say, son, you're going to go ahead before the Lord in verse 77 of chapter 1, he says, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the, re- by the remissions of their sins, through the tender mercies of our God. Now listen, 
which is the day spring from on high, has visited us. You see, for 400 years, Israel was in perpetual darkness. The God's presence was not felt. His voice was not heard. His words were not going out to his people. And here it is in this great moment. The darkness is coming to an end. And the, and the daybreak is upon us. And, and as humanity as a whole, from the beginning of time, waited with bated breath for this Savior. Here is this moment. Here is this moment in which all waited for, at least those who were faithful. And, 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 I, and I tell you, I, I, I fail to emphasize, I fail to magnify, I fail to do it justice. This morning we attempted in, in, our, in our weakness and in the feebleness of our heart to, to portray how the, the, the living God would abide with humanity. Emmanuel, God with us. A momentous event. And yet we celebrate only once a year. So I'd encourage you, saints, not, not, not to, to set this aside as a as once a year thing, but what a joyous occasion it is. And we'll, we'll get to that here. And this morning I want to, I really want to concentrate on, on three things this morning. I, I want to talk about the circumstances of the, of, of the birth of Christ. Uh, the secondly, I want to talk about the angels and their message. And third, I want to talk a little, little bit about the shepherds. And, and I, I hopefully we'll do this as concise and as simple as possible. And, and I pray that you bear with me as we go through it. And the first thing I want to mention to you, and I want to draw to your mind, is there in verse 1. It says, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this census first took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. One of the things that you can appreciate about the writer Luke, and we call him Luke the historian, is because he writes as a historian. And the first thing I want to point out to you is look at the detail he gives us. You see, we can look at this and we can say, hey, uh, this happened during the reign of Caesar Augustus. Well, we can look not just in biblical history, we can look in secular history. And we can learn that Caesar Augustus, uh, lived from 20, 27 B.C., or he reigned from 27 B.C. to 14 A.D. And we begin to get a time frame. And we also learn about Quirinius being the governor of Syria at the time. And we can look into secular history to see what those times are. And I'm driving to a point here, saints, that when we talk about the birth of Jesus Christ, it's not a fairy tale. It's not like Santa Claus. Is that something we do for little children to make them feel better? It, it is historical. It is factual. The world may, may say, oh, yeah, Jesus Christ, that they, he was a great philosopher. He, you know, he, he's kind of like Gandhi, you know. It's more than that. It's absolute truth. It's absolute history. It's not something that we, we call fables. Luke made sure of that. Now, listen. He starts his, 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 his uh, letter here saying, listen, I, I sat down and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm compiling all the events that I've studied, that I've talked to. I'm compiling for you, for you to understand. Listen, in chapter 3, he goes further and he gives us even more detail. Chapter 3, verse 1, he says, now on the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar. Now, now listen, this is the beginning of, of the, the public ministry of Jesus Christ. And here he is giving us an exact time and date. Listen. It was a year in which Tiberius Caesar reigned. There was, a, there was a change in what? In Caesar's by then, right? 
Augustus is no longer there. Now here's Tiberius. It goes on to say that Pontius Pilate was the governor of Judea. That Herod being the, the tetrarch of Galilee. His brother Philip, the tetrarch of, of Ituria. And the region of, of Trachonius. And Annas and, and Caiaphas in verse 2 were the high priests. And you see the amount of detail given here. And so my first point, and I hope it resonates in everybody's heart, is the factual event, the factual occurrence of these events. These aren't just good stories. There is truth here. There's wonderful truth here. You know, I mentioned how the entirety of human history hinges upon this event. You know, I, I, an old preacher once told this story. He, uh, Brother Bernard Osborne told this story. He said, when he was young, he was a young professor in a university. There was an old history professor there, and he was an atheist, a staunch atheist. And, and he had many discussions with this, with this old professor. And, 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 he, and he would actually be as bold as to say to this uh, young professor, he said, listen, I don't even believe Jesus Christ existed. It's a fairy tale. He never lived. And, and being a bit of a smart aleck, he says to this old man, he says, listen, do you have a coin in your pocket? Oh, yeah, actually, I do. And he, he pulls out a little little penny. He says, what year is on there? And he looks on it and says, uh, 1969. And he says, 1969 from what? For the very coin that you have testifies to the reality that he was born. The, the very currency that we all have, the dates we use, the years we count up, all testify to the fact that he, he came to this earth. Pardon me for getting too excited. I apologize. I'm sorry. My wife tells me I yell too much, and I'm, 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 I'm trying. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, Brother Peter, put, Apostle Peter put it this way. He says, listen, for we do not follow cunningly devised fables. Our faith is not, it's not one that, that, that's on blind faith. It's not one that, that, that we, we hope and, 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 and yearn after something we don't really know. There is absolute truth in the birth of Jesus Christ, the life and resurrection of Jesus Christ, not just in, scriptural, in Scripture itself, but in secular history. And so our, our, our faith stands upon truth and fact, and, we, and, our, and our faith is not blind. And we, like Peter, can say, it's not by devised fable, cunningly devised fables. Not only were the circumstances of his birth a historical and factual, but they were also prophetic. They were also prophetic. Listen, Mary and Joseph lived in Nazareth. And you imagine, uh, when you read the account of Matthew, when Mary got the news and Joseph got, got the visitation from the angel, and, and he went, went ahead and married her, and, and here she is pregnant. She goes away to, to her house, uh, Elizabeth's house for a little bit, comes back. She's in Nazareth. She's getting bigger. And she's, she begins to make preparations. Preparations for this baby that's coming. Getting, getting the house ready. Get, getting the, the, the cradle ready. Could you imagine? There, Joseph the carpenter, making, making a cradle for this baby boy who's coming. And, and, and guess what? Caesar Augustus decides that there needs to be a census. Everyone needs to be registered. And now here's Joseph and his very pregnant wife having to travel south, up into the mountains to Bethlehem to be registered. 
And I tell you this, it was prophesied. For Micah would say it, Micah would prophesy, But you, Bethlehem, though you are little amongst thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler of Israel, whose going forth are from old, from everlasting to everlasting. You see, I, I, I am positive that Mary and Joseph had no desire to take a trek to, to Bethlehem. They, there was a baby at hand. They're, 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 that's not what they planned. Yet God... And his sovereignty would move the affairs of men to see his word fulfilled. And it's a simple point I, I, I want to bring up, brothers and sisters. It's, it's, our God is sovereign, is he not? Our God is sovereign. Our God is absolutely sovereign. You know, uh, Psalm 76 put it this way. Surely the wrath of man shall praise you. He causes the very wrath of men to cause praises to him. You know, sometimes we think... We begin to think about God, and we begin to think that He's a little bit like us. He thinks like us. He has the same limitations as us. But, saints, He's so far above us. He's so far above us. We should never lower Him to our standards. The world does. The world absolutely does. They think Him, He's just like one of us. He thinks like us. You know, it's no wonder Romans 3 puts it this way. There is no fear of God in their eyes. Why is there no fear? Because he's like us. There is no fear. But God is far superior than we are. And we see him through the the halls of human history. We may look at it and we say, what is he doing? What is he doing? Listen, his hands is upon everything. And the ebbs and flow of human history, his fingerprints are seen. And here he is, seeing it fit that his son would fulfill that very prophecy in Micah. And he would be born there in Bethlehem. When they get there, obviously, they take this long trek and they get there. And there it is. There's no room. There's no room in the inn. Not, not, not exactly ideal. When, when we begin to consider the greatness of this event, that the living God would lead the thrones of heaven, in all its glory, in all its majesty, and would, would veil himself in flesh to come to his creation. And when it's time for him to come forth, there would be no room. There would be no room. Listen, granted, the, the, the inn was not much of anything to begin with. From what I understand, the, 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 these inns, the, the, the word Catalina would, would be like almost an co- open courtyard that has roofs over it. And, and, and people would come in and set their own bedding and, and pick a corner and sleep there. It wasn't like he was being received and it, it, with great honor and praise and, 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 and comfort. But yet when he would show up, there was no room. You know that... That would typify his, 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 his life here on earth. The Lord Jesus Christ always sought room in the hearts of men. Into hearts that were overcrowded with the things of this world. And he does today as well. He seeks room in your heart and in my heart. And yet our hearts sometimes are so full of nonsense. And things that are so temporal and foolish. 
Yet our Lord, there was no room for our Lord. Our brother read it in John chapter 1, did he not? He came to his own and his own received him not. He also came and they took him to a manger. And there he he, he was delivered there in the manger and he was cradled there in that manger. And, and, And the reality is that if the end was nothing but an open courtyard, you can begin to imagine what this manger would have been like. And historically, if you, if you, if you look it up, there in, in the Church of Nativity, there in Israel, they have this place where they believe he was born. And if, and if you go on Google, and you can, you, you can Google this and get pictures, it is nothing but a hole, a little cave in the wall. It is nothing but a hole. And I tell you this. Why would the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords come in such a fashion? Why would He come in such a lowly estate? Why did, did He not come with, with any pomp or circumstance? And the answer is actually very simple. For in His very poverty... In his very simplicity of poverty, he gave, he, he gave himself to be accessed to by everyone. You see, when he was born, if he was born in a royal palace, could the lowly shepherds of Bethlehem ever see him? If he was born in the royal palaces, could a leopard ever approach him and cry out, Son of David, if thou art willing, thou can make me clean. Could a blind man approach him? Probably not. And we begin, we begin to see that the very onset of his ministry, of his life here on earth, it's that the whosoevers may come. It's that whosoever may come to this babe, to this God child. And he's available to all. And his poverty, his lowliness would continue. It would depict his entire life, doesn't it? He, he was never one of means. Listen, when, when, when he, he was there in his public ministry and, and the crowd would press him as he was teaching and there was no room on the shoreline, he would go and ask to borrow a boat. When he wanted to feed the multitude, he had no food of his own. He, he took the lunch of a gracious little boy and fed the multitude. When taxes were due, he had no coin of his own. He went to a fish and took a coin out of his mouth. When he wanted to give an illustration concerning money, he said, does somebody have a penny? Implying that he had none of his own. When others went to their homes, he went to the Mount of Olives, did he not? He went to the Mount of Olives because the, the birds of the airs have their nests. The fox, foxes have their holes, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. It was the characteristics of his entire life was a lowly and a humbly. He never had much. In his triumphal entry, he rode not on a stallion, not on a chariot, 
but he rode on a simple donkey, an animal of burden. And on top of that, it was a borrowed one. When he died and was buried, he was buried in another man's tomb. Why would he come? Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says this. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. That you, through his poverty, might become rich. Praise be to his name. Let's move quickly. Let's talk about the angels. We've talked about the circumstances of his birth. And now let's talk a little bit about the angels. Now the first thing I want to point out is that every great event in history, every great event in God's calendar are usually marked by some miraculous event. What do I mean by that? Well, there when God would bestow the law upon the children of Israel and he would give his law to his people, what happened? Well, the people had to consecrate themselves. The people had to gather around. They, they could not come near the, near the mountain. And when he was there, there was great thunderings. There was earthquakes. The mountain quake. And the earth shook at this great event in which God, the creator of all things, would come down to this mountain. You see, it was no different at his birth. You know... Brother Brian and Wincy just had a baby. And a lot, a, lot, a lot of times when you first have a baby, you, 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 you send out a birth, birth announcement, right? You take a page, picture of the baby and you send it out to all your, all your family and friends. And we all love seeing babies. Now, who can beat this birth announcement? For there, the angel comes to, to these shepherds and, 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 and announces the birth of this child. And not just one angel, but then a great multitude of angels singing praises to the Lord. Announcing this momentous event in human history that all humanity should pause and take account of. And listen and pay attention. Listen, something important is happening here. You see, the angels were were not just at his birth. They were there throughout his life, were they not? The angels were there when, when, when the Spirit led him out to the wilderness. He was there for 40 and 40 nights. Says the angels were there to comfort him. When he was there at the Garden of Gethsemane, in great distress, who was there? Angels were there. When, 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 when Peter, in his impetuousness, uh, decided to take a sword out to defend the Lord, and his great swordsmanship, he goes to swing and, and take the head off of, of this man, Marcus, and, and he takes off his ear. The Lord says, Peter, put that away. You don't know how to use that anyway. Just put it away. He said, don't you know that I have 12,000s of legions and my beckings call? The angels were there. And so we see that the, the, these great markers in human history, these markers, and they continue, right? Uh, there at, at the crucifixion, there as he hung on the cross. And the Lord cries out, it is finished. And he gives up the ghost. And God the Father gives the amen. And he rents that veil torn from the top to the bottom. 
signifying that the way to his presence was wide open. All these things were, were major events for what? For us to take note. For us to take note. You know, there's an amazing thing about this scene. There is this baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a tiny little cave with animals around him. Such meekness. And yet at the same time, we see that the angelic hosts have come out to announce him him that night. You know, one of the beautiful things is we see this balance of meekness and majesty. Meekness and majesty. It, 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 It characterizes his life. Meekness and majesty. You know, the Lord was there sleeping on a boat. So, you know, it's, it's the, only, the only account we ever read in the New Testament which he had a pillow, by the way. He was asleep on the boat on a pillow. But the seas were churning, the winds were churning, and had, the hearts of his disciples were frail and weak. And they wake up our Lord. Do you not care that we are perishing? There's his meekness. And he stands up and he hushes the wind. And comes the water. And there's his majesty. Meekness and majesty. He stands outside Lazarus' tomb. And he weeps. He weeps. And he sees the pain and the heartache that death causes. And he he feels it. And he weeps. And there's his meekness. And he cries out, Lazarus, come forth. And there's his majesty. There in the Garden of Gethsemane, he allows himself to be taken by men. He allows himself to be arrested by mankind. There's his meekness. But right before that, when they came up to him and asked, Who do you seek? Always seek Jesus. And he declared, I am. And the declaration of who he was. Pinned the entire mob to the ground, and there is his majesty. Meekness and majesty declared who he was. And so here we are. We're talking about the angels. I'm sorry about that little money trailer. The angels were there at his birth. Why were the angels so interested? And we. Our brother alluded to it this morning. Why, why are the angels so interested? Why do they seem to pop up throughout the Lord's life? Why is it so important to them? Well, Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12, we'll put it this way. Which things the, the, the angels desire to look into. Which things the angels desire to look into. I, you know, I, you wonder, what would it have been like to be an angel. To, 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 to see these events fold out. To see these things come to pass. The, the, the birth of the Son of God. His life. And, and all the miracles. And yet the people rejected Him. And, and, and they're, they're looking at this and they're not understanding why the humanity doesn't understand. And, and the Lord will allow Himself to be taken. And abused. And you imagine the host of angelic beings with bated breath saying, what is going on? What is going on? When the one who, who, who they scourge 
It's the one who holds the breath in their hand, the, the breath in his hand. Think about that. The angelics look and marvel. They, 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 they won't understand. And the answer is that they, they, there was no redemption for the angels. And they look upon and they, they, they see the redemption of humanity and they marvel. The angels. Look at the words of the angels. And I'm going to move a little quickly here. And we're only going to concentrate on these three words. They said to the shepherds, I come with good tidings. It says, in this day in the city of David, what is born? It says, a Savior, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And I want to talk about those three names. Those three simple names. And in that order, because it's very important. He says, this day in the city of David, a Savior. A Savior. What is a Savior? Well, one who redeems. One who saves from peril. And for that, we have to look at the entirety of Scripture and back up to the very beginning. Because when we talk about a Savior, we have to go back there to Genesis. When humanity fell and sin entered into humanity through Adam. But God, through His sovereignty, through His mercy, through His grace, would promise a Savior, would He not? He says, from the seed of a woman, the seed of the woman... There shall come one that what? That will destroy our adversary. That will conquer our adversary. And the Lord continues through his scripture to to paint a picture, to, to clarify that picture. Yes, it was the seed of the woman. But then in, it, we look further in Genesis, you find out from, from Abraham. When he, when he begins to promise to Abraham, listen, Abraham, through your seed, singular, all the nations of the earth will be. Blessed. Oh. You see, the Savior is not only just coming from the seed of the woman, but he's coming through the line of Abraham. And later in Genesis, we learn that it's not just in the line of Abraham, but it's more specifically is in the tribe of Judah. For out of Judah shall I call Shiloh. For, for uh, out of Judah, Shiloh will come forth. And so now it's out of the tribe of Judah. And the picture becomes a little clearer, doesn't it? Through prophecy. Later on, we continue to read, and in Samuel we, we begin to read, that it's not just in the tribe of Judah, but in the family of David. For in the, in the family of David, there is the kingship. There is the, the line of kings of Israel. And the Lord will promise to David an everlasting kingdom. And so now we know that this Savior was going to be the line of David. Very important. Micah would continue to say and give us a little information, and he would say that, guess what? He's going to be born in Bethlehem, the city of David. Isaiah would continue to tell us a little bit more. He says, listen, he's going to be born of a virgin. And he begins to paint this picture of the Savior that's coming. But there's more to it than that. Not only was he coming, not only was he of the line of David, not only was he going to be born in Bethlehem, but listen, the Lord also told him he was going to suffer. This Savior was going to suffer. Isaiah would declare it. Surely he has borne our griefs. He's carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace is upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. This day in the city of David, a Savior is born. 
The one whom all humanity waited for was Christ. There he was, that little baby, a Savior. To echo the words of John the Baptist there in John chapter 1, Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world. The angel would declare to Joseph, Listen, he will save his people. He was first a savior. And then let's look real quickly. He's called the Christ, God's anointed. He was called the Christ. He was the Messiah. He's the one whom the children of Israel look forward to. The one who's going to come and redeem Israel. The one who's going to come and reign over Israel. The perfect king. And the faithful of Israel would look forward to this coming of the Messiah. And we see two of them here late in this chapter, which we won't have time to get into. But he was the anointed. John chapter 1, verses 10 through 12. He was, I alluded to it, he was in this world, but the world, I'm sorry, he was in the world and the world was made through him. And the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own received him not. Now listen, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name. Praise be to God, the Messiah, the anointed of the Lord. And lastly, he is Lord. He is Lord. And, I, and I'll just simply say this because of the lack of time, but listen, the Jehovah of the Old Testament, the, the great covenant making and covenant keeping God, the great I am of the Old Testament is the Jesus of the New Testament. The Lord of Abraham is Jesus Christ. The same God, yesterday, today, and forever. He is both Savior, Christ, and Lord. And they cry out. The angelic host cries out. Glory to God in the highest and peace. And on earth, peace and goodwill towards men. And there's that message. Our brother alluded to it this morning. There, there's some... So there's some Contradiction, not contradiction to say that. There's some confusion concerning that. Some would, would, would interpret it on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, I, I, don't, I don't profess to fully understand these things. But I do understand that second interpretation of it. That makes sense to me. Let me just take some time to explain that to you. You see... Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now I ask you, when Jesus Christ was on earth, who was the only man that God was pleased with? Jesus Christ. On different occasions, God the Father would, 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 would break his silence from heaven and would declare, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, in whom I am well pleased. We heard it at his baptism. We heard it there at the Mount of Transfiguration. And saints, I tell you this. We look at, we look at the world today. Do we see peace upon this world? No, we don't. We don't see peace among this world. In fact, in this very moment, there's all types of, of crime against humanity happening in this world. The world, it's very clear that... The, there is no peace. The Lord would declare, listen, the, the wickedness will not have peace, the Lord would say. But how do we attain this peace that the, that the angels here are declaring to us? How, how is this peace possible? 
Well, to me, it's found in Colossians chapter 1. It says, by him, by him to, uh, I'm sorry, found by Christ, by Christ to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Now, you, you catch that? This peace in which the angelic host spoke of is to those who what? Who accepted Jesus Christ as a person. Those who he's made peace through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's through his blood that peace is made. It continues on to say, There and you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Listen, how can we claim to find peace and find favor with God? The answer is there. It's in the blood of Jesus Christ. The angelic host would cry out, Glory to God on the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And who is he pleased with? Those who have accepted his son. Those who 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 have repented in their hearts, who have turned to living God and said, I, I am dead in my sins and in need of a Savior. There in salvation we find peace with God. And there God begins to change us into the image of his son. In the image, into the one whom he is well pleased. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, lastly, just to close, the shepherds. First, I want to point out to you the actions of the shepherds. They saw this marvelous sight. They were they, they were afraid. Yet when they received the word from the angels and they saw the singing from the angels and when they all disappeared, they got up and they went and looked. They went looking. And in fact, the words used are very unique and very, very specific. It says, uh, let us go now to Bethlehem now. And they came with haste. Listen, friend, if you're here and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal savior. The time is now to come and see Jesus Christ. The time is now. Listen, what would happen if the shepherds would have said, Oh, man, it's late at night. You know what? We'll look for him tomorrow morning when there's daylight and we can see better. Now, I don't know about you, but Mary and Joseph were in a very awkward situation. They, 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 they had a baby in a manger. I imagine Joseph was probably active looking to change their, their, their circumstances and their situation. So I imagine if, if they would have sat around and waited, what the angel told them would have not come to pass. The, the angel says, listen, this is a sign. This is what you're going to look for. You're going to look for a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes in a manger. Listen, I imagine there was more than one child born that night. So if you're going to send a, a, a group of shepherds to look for a baby who was born that night, you, you have to give them something that's unique. And the angels did. Listen, it's a baby wrapped in swan clothes in a manger. And they got up and then with haste, they found the child. And they praised the Lord and they worshipped. But only because they acted upon the word of God. They did not hesitate. They did not hesitate. Friend, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ, I tell you, do not hesitate. 
Do not hesitate. Listen, I, I think of Bartimaeus. You know Bartimaeus. That blind man, Bartimaeus, there he, he was there in, in Jericho. And the, the Lord himself was there in Galilee, and he was traveling south, going to Jerusalem. Going to Jerusalem because he was going to be crucified. And there, as he was walking in, Jeru- in Jericho, and the crowds were with him, and, and the blind man could not see, but he could hear people. And he said, what's going on? Oh, it's Jesus of Nazareth. And he cried, Jesus, son of David, Jesus, son of David. And every the crowd would say, stop, Shh, don't disturb the man. And he could not stop. Jesus, son of David, called out. He did not miss his opportunity. He would not miss his opportunity. And the Lord would take time, would pause his schedule. As much a burden as as Christ himself had in that moment, he would pause for a simple blind man and would ask him, what what do you want of me? Oh, that I could see again. And the Lord gave him the sight that he had. Oh, but if Bartimaeus would have listened to that crowd and said, oh, no, I, I don't want to bother the master. He would have never met the Lord. For the Lord was gone his way to Jerusalem and he would have been crucified and he would have never gotten his sight. And I tell you, friend, if you're hearing, you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. The day is today. Come to him. Seek him when you can. Because we're not promised the next hour. We're not promised the next day. We don't know when time will be over. Come in haste. Let us now seek him. Let us seek the Lord. Praise be to his name. Let us pray. Our Heavenly God and Father, we praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord, that you would send your Son. You would send your Son to this wretched earth that had no room for him. And he would walk this earth, this guilty sod, and he would walk it in perfect grace and truth and perfect love and mercy, Lord. Even though humanity wanted nothing to do with him, he came. He came when there was no room. And he did it because he loved us. Father, we, I, I pray that the, the, the reality of this event, Lord, the magnitude of it would, would be vivid in our hearts, Lord. And we, like, could, that we, like Mary, could say, Lord, our soul rejoices in our God. My Savior, Lord. Lord, I pray that each heart here tonight can, can declare those words in truth. That, that He is my Savior, not just the Savior. Because many, would, many understand who Jesus was. And they know He was a Savior. But knowing it is not claiming it. That they may know that there is, He is my Savior, their Savior. Father, we thank You and praise You for my Savior. I ask all these things in Your Son's precious name. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Amen.